Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is season two, episode 165. So what are we going to go over today? Well, as I told you in the past, we are no longer really getting into the uh, political aspect of the world's... uh, what's trending today in the world because, um, you know, being a pretty far-right conservative, I, I there's a right and a wrong, and I, I don't do a grayscale, so it really kind of upsets people, but that's how it is. Um, what we're going to talk about today, though, is, you know, I have done a lot of podcasts in my time, and I've been on the radio you know, quite a few times. Um, still getting used to doing this uh this is an individual host. Uh, it's a lot easier bantering back and forth uh, with a co-host because, you know, you you have spontaneity here. You don't have spontaneity. You have to worry about uh, trying to organize things or make things, you know, make things sound more sensical than others and, you know, all within a, you know, split-second timing, and, you know, sometimes there's some jet lag here. Um, What I want to talk about today are a few of the books I've written, because a lot of people uh, really don't know that I write, and as of right now, I am actually doing a third edition of each book um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm going to just give you some advice if you're if you're a first-time or self-publisher, buyer beware. Um, you are going to get a lot of people out there that are going to attempt to sell you a bag of goodies, which aren't goodies like uh, publishers, editors, proofwriters, uh, converting your, uh, formatting your books, form, turning your written books into e-books, uh, you're going to pay a lot of money, and you're going to get a lot of sh- a lot of bullshit. It's not going to be worth it. What I'm trying to tell you, um, as far as self-publishing, Kindle Direct is still still the best way to go, or something similar to that. Um, the ebook thing, the conversion for Kindle uh, Create. You know, here here's the issue you have with this. You know, for a person like me who writes. Um, and a and little older, you know, from a te- technological point of view, you know, you can't just tell me to drop a, <clears throat> a manuscript or a, a file, a Word doc or a PDF or whatever, into a Kindle Create or any type of thing like that. And when it goes in there and you review it, it looks like shit to start with. And then they want you to correct your shit. Uh, you know... In my world, I should just drop it in there and everything should come out correct, but it doesn't. Uh, It's very hard to figure out what does what on those things and how to correct certain problems. Um, You know, and then with Kindle Direct, if you drop something in as an ebook, as say a PDF, and you try to do it as a uh, direct copy, uh, not a free flow, it will not allow you to change, if you put, first put it in as a free flow and say, hey, you know what, this just sucks, I just want the book to look like it is, so I'm going to, you know, um, make it as a copy, <clears throat> and you drop it in there, it will not work, you 
have to start all over again with a whole whole new uh, a whole new everything, which really actually means you're going to have to either change a subtitle in your book, or you're going to have to go back to the um, uh, free flow and try to figure it out yourself. But the free flow isn't easy. I mean, you know, there, <clears throat> there's no real direction on how to use any of this crap. Uh, the same way with Kindle, Kindle Direct. I mean, there's not, you, you know, listen, as a writer, I want to drop my file. I want to drop my manual script, my man, my manuscript in there. I, you know, you, you know, like Kindle, um, and all these other places, Barnes and Nobles, uh, that are making percentages on every one of the books that you write and sell, should have a program when you put your manuscript in there. It fixes the manuscript. I'm not. I'm not saying. You know. I'm not saying spell check or I'm not saying proofread. But you know, it should know to evenly space the lines to make sure the margins are all equal to make sure the, the photos are center placed, make sure the heading is right. You know. But they don't. You know, it's like okay, throw your stuff here and then figure it out. Well, you know, it's like this. You know, like somebody once says to me, you know, I don't bag groceries myself. <clears throat> or when I go to Walmart or somewhere, I don't use a self-checkout. He says, because I don't work for Walmart and I, and I don't work for Stop and Shop. So why the hell should I be doing anybody else's job? Well, I figure the same the same way. I mean, it's the same concept with uh, writing a book. You know, okay, I spent all this time to put the manuscript together. And why the hell should I put it into your program that, just throws it in there and wants me to guess why, one, it's not working, or second, how to fix what I'm not sure is wrong with it because you don't tell me. You know, so that that's kind of frustrating. Another thing that's going to be frustrating is you people that are first starting to write, uh, you are going to rewrite and review your manuscript probably two dozen times. And do yourself a favor. There is a business out there. And it's a very popular business online. You know, it will convert your ebooks for $49. That's not true. There's not a damn book that has ever been formatted through them that has ever come out to less than $200. So don't buy that bullshit in the first place. You're better off putting it online and, and screwing around with it yourself on like uh, Kindle Create or something like that. Um, Formatting, okay, I'll give it to them a little bit on that one. Proofreading, do not send anything out like that to be proofread. Unless you're planning on a re somebody that you've really re researched that knows what the hell you're do they're doing and you want to spend a lot of money. Because I sent out two manuscripts to be proofread by the same company that's going to convert my shit for $49 into an ebook. I don't know what country they came from, but I had found so many errors in it myself, and this is after it cost me $400, so I don't use them for that either. What you do is you run it through, first you, you read it to make sure it looks right. Sometimes you may have to read it twice. Windows 10 has spell check, grammar check, and then do yourself a favor. Get Grammarly Premier. I know it's going to cost you some money, 
every month, but the, the 10 bucks it costs you a month, it's well worth it. You know, um, in su such case that you use that, uh, just make sure when it wants to rewrite a sentence for you, reread the sentence that it's, it's writing for you, because what happens is it'll, it as a computer, is trying to generate a certain type of uh, mood setting for the for the for the paragrapher it's trying to rewrite, um, and sometimes just as a human it doesn't sound right. So, you know, if it says it needs to be rewritten and you read it and it, it's not going to make sense their way, just just take their way and, and, and garbage can it. Um, Competition. Competition is another another thing, especially when you have I had I had put out two two books, um, one on Dennis Martin, Dennis Lloyd Martin who went missing in the um, Smoky National uh, Park in on uh, June fourteenth of ninety uh, six. A lot of people have written stuff about it. I was the first person to get the actual reports. And then I interviewed everyone involved that was still alive. It pissed so many people off that what, what, what these little SOBs do is they will get onto your web page and your five star will turn into a zero star just because they put bullshit in there. Uh, a lot of bullshit stuff. Um, that book was called The Disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin Lost in the Smoky Mountain National Park. Uh, Lost in the Smokies. Um, cheap book, but it's the only one in the case that had is it's the most accurate book up to date on Dennis Lloyd Martin. Until a cheesy ass FBI wanna uh, throw a FOIA, which they will never do, release the 147 page report that they did because they're creeps that way. Um, so competition will get to you, and my competition in the on that thing, it was big competition. Uh, it disproved most of what Dave Pilatus said. It disproved a lot of what uh, George Knapp and George Norrie said, and it set things straight. And um, they didn't like it, so a lot of the little skeevies, uh, and, and you could tell when the skeevers write the write bad reviews because they didn't just babble shit. Oh, the spelling is, isn't this. The, the grammar isn't this. Listen, two things I got to tell you. One, when you put everything through Grammarly and Word 10, there are no spell errors. There are no gra grammatical errors. It may not be in a sense tone that you like, but you're full of shit. All right, let's just get that one straight. Straightened out. Second of all, that interview hat was the last, the first and the last interview ever done by a writer involving uh, Harold Keyes. Harold Keyes was the individual that actually saw who they believed was a suspect in, in uh, Dennis Lee Martin's disappearance. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how it ends because my uh, my eventual thought on what happened to Dennis Lee Martin was back based on all, all facts. Uh, a lot of the facts that were out there uh, had been provided by Pilatus. 
uh, Knapp and Nori were, and, and even Art Bell, uh, were, were incorrect. So, uh, yeah, you're going to get a lot of haters out there, you know, especially when they know they're peddling bullshit. And, uh, you know, your, their book is $80, yours is like fucking 12 they're, they're filling up uh, lecture halls at, you know, 10000 bucks a pop, and, you know, you're, you're trying to find a, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. So um, the one that really got them, which really caused a, a big uproar, if, if any of you have seen The Gone Girl or read The Gone Girl, the whole... The whole storyline was based on the disappearance of uh, Joan Carolyn Rich uh, from her uh, Bedford Road home in Lincoln, uh, Massachusetts in 1961. Uh, the movie is inaccurate, completely inaccurate. Uh, all of the documentation online uh, is inaccurate. Uh, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's nonsensical, and it's... It's just garbage. So if, if you're, you think that's a good thing that you're watching or listening to, uh, truth be told, I was the only person, when I wrote my book, I had the 127-page police report. And it was based off of that. And it dispels a lot of uh, falsehoods that are being perpetrated by online sites about uh, Carolyn, uh, Joan Rich, uh, a lot of books that didn't have the information at the time. The movie, there were, I think there was two movies made. I, I know one was The Gone Girl. Simply bullshit. I wish somebody would actually have a ball, uh, balls enough to do the book, uh, a movie on my book, which is actually um, factual. Uh, the, the outcome of it was a lot different than most people think. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give you an FYI. Joan Rich was not kidnapped. She was not killed. She was not abducted. She took off on her own. She still may be alive today. Who knows? Um, but it was a stage. It was a stage scene. And if you read my book, you'll understand why. And my books aren't a billion dollars. They're maybe twelve dollars, maybe thirteen dollars. I think this one was probably the highest priced book I ever wrote because it was like 20, 22. Uh, it was four hundred something pages of actual reports and shit like that. So I think my, I think that book's like twenty two bucks. I don't know. I don't look at I don't look at really the prices anymore after I publish them. Uh, but that's something uh, to look at. Uh, another book I put out for the people that look like paranormal stuff is I put out a book called uh, Creatures of Folklore: Fact or Fiction. And basically, what it does is it, it takes um, it takes a look at all of the urban legends, uh, werewolves, Bigfoot, uh, Loch Ness, and, and um, the Delto Pass, uh, the 1957, uh, 59 disappearance of the nine Russian hikers, which I actually, after re uh, reviewing some of the evidence and uh, actually fortunate enough to, to see documents that weren't really released to the public, not until about a year ago, uh, it, it was a biological uh, test. It was a chemical test. They just happened to be unknown targets. That's how the Russians work. Uh, you know, they forget to mention in all of the, the uh, books and podcasts of the Orange Skin, which is a 
result of uh, chemical contamination or burns. Uh, the injuries that these people sustained weren't weren't um, weren't caused by Bigfoot. They were, you know, typical injuries that would normally occur. Individuals that were either buried under snow um, or the percussion of something going off. So uh, the next one is abstract thoughts. It's really bizarre. After I wrote it, I realized I was probably criminally insane. Uh, it was 137, maybe actually more than that. It, it could maybe be 200. Uh, I have this thing about comparison. I, I always had this as a, as a young kid. And, and the only thing I can make it sound similar is anybody that listened, has listened to a Bob Dylan record, uh, especially when you're younger, you have no idea clue what the hell he's talking about. And uh, no matter how many times you 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 just have no freaking clue. I mean, I've listened to it on the vinyl so many times, I, I still don't know what the hell he's talking about. And as I got older, based on my life experiences and, um, yeah, really based on life experiences, and you listen to it, it sounds a little more, you understand a little better. Although, how he came up with some of these, uh, you know, some of these theories and shit like that are just beyond me. The ideology is completely out there somewhere. I, I, I don't think I could drink enough to come up with shit like that. But um, but with that being said, you look at things, uh, and, and I'm always compare, comparing things. Like, my, my big thing is sentence comparisons. When a person says something that there's, there's always, um, there's always a second, a second meaning within the sentence itself. And what I mean by that is people will say one thing, but within the context of the sentence, there's usually something else, you know, driving in a different direction. And you'll, you'll notice that with a lot of, uh, a lot of sentence way people talk. And then, you know, like, like I had mentioned in some of my, 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 um, earlier podcasts, like simple things like I think, like, you know, you always dealing with these people that always have the answer to everything, but, you know, if you're, you know, it's, um, if you're always right, why don't you ever have an answer? You know that? Like when the shit hits the fan, this person that's always right and always knows something doesn't have a goddamn clue what the hell to do. So in the world of, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the world of reality, you know, how the hell does that work? I had to take a quick uh, break there just to pop open a can of Red Bull. Um, I live on very little sleep. Uh, so, you know, so it's made up of, uh, of thought processes like that. Just simple statements, you know. Um, you know, if you look at, like, drug addiction, drug addiction is like playing... Russian roulette with a bullet in every chamber. Basically, what that means is eventually it's going to kill you. Um, you know, when you people make statements about this, that, and the other thing, it's like you know, locking the front door but leaving the back door open. You know, you go into the front door and then all of a sudden the front door now becomes the exit. It's just simple things like that. It's a comparison that I do consistently with things. I uh, don't know why I do it. I always have. Uh, it could be that, that shit, redneck shit kicker in me that's always comparing things to 
other things. I mean, that's what it could be. I, I'm, I'm probably assuming that's probably what it is. Um, you know, but like I said, then again, as you look at sentence structuring and those statements, what what it looks like and what it is are two different things. Like a friend of mine told me, you know, perception is reality. Well, that's true, but the problem is perception is all, in most cases, fake. I hate these effing pop-ups. I'd like to take this Norton and McAfee virus thing and shove it square up their ass. Um, okay, back back to where I am, where I started. It's fuck, you know, you know what? There's, it's supposed to be an antivirus, anti-this thing, and they're the biggest viruses around. They don't stop their shit. They all both of them suck. Um, but you know, it's just things like that. You know, what what's being said. And I'll give you an example. Okay, reality, perception is reality. Well, perception is not often reality. It's like this. Say you go into um, Home Depot and you see this nice shiny lawnmower, right? It's nice, it's shiny. You picture yourself cutting the lawnmower, smelling the grass, this and that. And then you turn it upside down and you see that serrated blade on the other end. Your perception now is a lot different than reality. It's just like the term assault rifle. There is no such thing as an assault rifle. A military rifle or a hunting rifle, yeah. An assault rifle, no. <clears throat> because whether it shoots in multiple shots or one shot, it can cause serious physical injury or death. So anything that could shoot one shot is an assault, would be considered an assault rifle. Assault rifle was, that term was came up by the media to just generate, you know, some type of, uh, to get a rise out of you. And yeah, I am a second, second amendment person. And if you don't, you know, I'll never vote for an anti-gunner. They can all kiss my ass. You know what? Go do something. You know, feed, figure out how to feed the hungry, you know, get shelter for the people that don't have fucking housing, get Medicare for the fucking old people. Don't tell me about my guns. At least I know what to do what needs to be corrected in the world. But besides that, okay, let me, let me back in, back in, you know, out of the studio, back in the character here for a minute. Um, so yeah, so abstract thoughts is really, really kind of bizarre. Um, it goes over in the back pages. It, ha- it has to do with Red Dawn, and um, which is kind of funny because I re- wrote this before the Russians decided to uh, invade the Ukraine. Um, it has a little bit of my thought process on COVID when everybody was so worried about getting toilet paper and paper towels. Nobody, nobody's looking at the food. So my son and I, we grabbed all the food while everybody was worrying about wiping their ass. And then, you know, we had a discussion on the way, way home. And I said, I don't know what tastes better on toilet paper, barbecue sauce or ketchup. You know, they're more worried about wiping their ass. And if there's no food, I, I don't care. You know, you know why? Because they weren't born. Born, born in the rurals, they don't they don't know what it's like to eat squirrels or hunt hunt or fish and eat shit like that. So they're just you know they're suburbanized, I guess. Um, the, one of the other books that I put out was um, uh, Missing in Connecticut. Missing in Connecticut has about 105 uh, either missing persons or unidentified bodies in Connecticut. But one interesting thing is there. Ha- in Vernon, Connecticut, in that area between 68 and 60, 
70, 68, 78, there was a disappearance of people like uh, Lisa Joy White, um, Debbie Spickler, uh, Janice Pocket, Irene LaRosa, Susan LaRosa, uh, and a few other girls. Uh, <clears throat> I actually did an interview with somebody I tracked down who was hiding up in the backwoods of Maine, who actually was a witness to uh, one of the homicides. Uh, Vernon Police, I sent them the information, uh, never wanted to uh, address it. State Police didn't want to address it, they didn't have enough money in their cold case file. I was giving you the, the killer's name. I was handing it to you on an effing plate from a, that, that a witness. I don't know if he's alive or dead anymore. you got to remember, he was, old, he was in the 70s then. This was back, done back in 2017. Uh, it fit the information that the young girl had given me that was five in the house. That was um, She was a witness to her mother's homicide. And everything matched, just it, it, it fit like a piece in the puzzle. And this is what sucks about police departments. When it's not there, when they're not the ones not solving it, they don't want to address it. You know, and here's at least one cold case. And when I talked to um, <clears throat> the ex-brother-in-law, Barry, I said, Barry, do you think Robert uh, was involved with uh, Pockets and Lisa Joy White's disappearance? Because these were all geographical uh, disappearances within the same town or within town bordering um, he and uh, he says yeah I think he knew I think he was actually probably witness to it <clears throat> one of the really creepiest things that he told me was he says you know well actually two creepy things he says you know uh, when uh Robert's wife, uh, Susan LaRosa, disappeared. Um, he said that he was called to the house by, by her husband. Uh, I knew a lot more information than I was leading on. But he said, you know, it looked like <clears throat> somebody had cut off a cat's head and spun it by a tail. Okay, well, that's a pretty graphic way to describe it, but not, I get it. And he said, you know, what really got me was that large rock in the living room. One, I didn't tell him that she was murdered in the living room. Second, I didn't tell her tell him she died from blunt trauma to the head. Okay, you see, that's how easy it is to get people. But again, the police, the local police department, didn't want to pursue it because who knows? You know, I guess you have to have a bigger whatever, and then you don't have feel like you have one when somebody else does your job for you. But that's okay. Uh, same individual was involved in his sister's disappearance. Uh, couple years earlier, he didn't file a missing person report like he said he did. Uh, he was, uh, he knew Lisa Joy White, he knew um, the Spicklers, they, they were right down the road, not Spickler, but the pocket. So, you know, if you put two and two together, it came out to be four, but not there for <clears throat> And uh, there's a lot of interviews in there uh, concerning this case. Uh, if, if anybody's interested in, in like, Lisa Joy White, Janice Pocket, Susan LaRosa, um, and all that stuff, it, it pretty much puts everything in a kind of a neat package. And um, it was really funny because it really irritated the shit out of me. And I knew for a fact, ah, this is what I forgot to say. Let me regress for a second. The second thing that really got me 
where Barry said he went over to do some electronics on a van that Robert had bought. And uh, when he got there, he noticed Robert had soundproofed the van. And he said to Robert, why did you soundproof the van? And he said, Robert said to him, because I can put somebody in here and do whatever I want. Nobody's going to hear me. What was seen in the Lisa Joy White case the night she disappeared was a white van. Um, the day that um, Spickler went disappearing, a white van. Um, Janice Pocket. Okay, a van. Oh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Unfortunately, the two of the main suspects, there were actually three in, involved in the, all of these things. Two of them are deceased. So, um, you know, what can I tell you? If when it was discovered that uh, LaRosa Robert hadn't uh, filed the missing person report for his sister, it should have automatically been linked to his missing wife couple years later and nobody cared, took an interest in it and it's still considered unsolved so uh, let that be a lesson to you if you die I hope your local police department doesn't investigate it because you're probably you know yeah. and I hate to be an asshole about it but uh, this is like the second police department that I gave them the answer right I mean I had statements from witnesses had no fucking interest in it so I might work in law enforcement, but, you know, when it comes to that shit and you don't follow up on information, what good are you? You know what? Go find another job. I hear Walmart's looking for greeters. Um, okay, so we went over most of the books. Um, the Connecticut Colt. The Broken Cross. Uh, this is another book uh, in the... 1960s, late 1960s, Julia Shacknow uh, professed to be the, uh, I guess, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was known as Brother Julius. He lived in Dover, uh, New Jersey. Uh, at the time, uh, they were in this, this cult had this weird thing of swapping wives back and forth. Uh, he lived on Park. Uh, Park Park Avenue in New Jersey. Uh, he was continuously fighting with his neighbors. Uh, subsequently, he told the neighbor uh, his, he was going to burn in hell. Two days later, his house burned down, killing seven of his children. Let's guess who might have been involved in that one. He was a he was a person of interest. They never pursued it. Uh, and then a couple months later, his then Swapped wife, um, Minnie Sweetman, it was living in the apartment with him next to the one that burned down. She became aware that he was sexually assaulting his, his daughters uh, and probably knew about the fire that he started. Moved out. And... She ends up at the age of 30, found in her apartment dead. She was changing curtains and she fell. Well, 
well, how do we know she was changed? How do we know she, because she had a head injury. Well, how do we know the head injury was from a fall? Because her body was removed right away and brought to the local hospital. There was no police investigation to it. And guess who was there in the apartment at the same time? Julia Shacknow. Hmm. The same person that was living next door to the fire. Wow. That's a hard one to figure out, right? Should have been a detective, but I wound up here. Um, and it was interesting because this guy was as shifty as, you, you know, you can't believe how shifty it is. If you like Colts, if you want to know about creepy people, that's the book to read. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, younger people, if you are in a cult, thinking about joining a cult, get your ass the hell out of there. Because you are an idiot. These people feed on young people looking for individualism, spiritual enlightenment, blah, blah, blah. And then you become a... a, a nothing more than a subservial slave to these people. They take your money, they bang your girlfriend, they may bang you, who the hell knows, and you're treated like shit, and, and you become so self-reliant on them, you can't do it, you become brainwashed. Let me give you a real quick, you know, a clue, you know who the, easy, the easiest people to brainwash are? Smart people, you know why? Because they're always looking for a debate. How do you draw a person into a, a, a topic? You debate them. Just think about that one. You know. And then I have a couple archaeological books out that are that I did. I, I was in arche involved in archaeology for about thirty years. Uh, mainly, you know, core sites that I did along the Housatonic River in the Milford, Connecticut area. Uh, you know in or about that area, uh, a couple in Shelton, um, then, we, then I did the first real tracking of uh, the first inhabitants of Connecticut, uh, it's, it's called Paleo Project, it's a more updated book than um, which were with migration right, routes that were initially uh, plotted by uh, Yukon back in 95, uh, it, it the first time that a couple things occurred. It showed two direct migration routes, one coming in from New York, one coming in from Massachusetts. Uh, that was never uh, indicated because what happened was the uh, people writing the book were only basing it on uh, archaeological finds, not uh, private collectors uh, you know, finding paleo artifacts. Uh, nothing for nothing, but when you're doing a migration route, doesn't matter if it's archaeologically found or not, it matters where it's found. And then, you see, this Norton, I would, I would see my photograph these people's asses. can't stand them. Um, and then, you know, Connecticut was always thought of, it, it, they worked on this Clovis projectile uh, framework. You know, they, they, this was the only culture in Connecticut, Kaleo Indian culture. Bullshit. It wasn't. There were four other ones that occupied Connecticut based on, you know, projectile uh, typologies. So, and then some idiot says to me, 
well, you know, if it doesn't happen three times in science, it, it, we don't use it. Um, wait a minute. The specific artifact was found in Connecticut. There's a location where it was found in Connecticut. It physically exists. So what the hell are you talking about? Idiot. If it's there, it was found here, then it occurred here. Well, that's that's where my stubbornness comes in. You, you'll, you'll find that I, I'm stubborn because I don't like when people make sentences that are just like completely stupid. Well, if it doesn't happen three times. Listen, if a person doesn't get shot three times, does it mean it's not they're not shot? I mean, holy crap, where does this shit come up from? I mean, where, who, who thinks of this shit up? I'm going to stay up at night thinking of this because it just doesn't help. But, so that's kind of a little bit of a, a background on some of my writing. Uh, you can all find it all on Amazon. Uh, what I would suggest, um, the books that are out there, I think, are, are uh, Series 2 books. Uh, they're all being updated. Hopefully, they should be all updated by, I'm going to say, the end of April. Um, the ones that are updated, I think, are the Abstract Thoughts are updated. Uh, cop Stories will be updated by, um, the, oh, there's another one, Cop Stories. I forgot all about that one. Um, it's a uh, hundred or so stories, uh, really bizarre stories that I had been involved, you know, cases I've been involved in since I started law enforcement, um, that one's updated. I think the Connecticut Colts is updated. Abstract thoughts are updated. So I, I got a couple more. I, I really need to. I don't know what I'm going to do with. Uh, I don't think the disappearance of Jerome Rich. That doesn't need to be updated. It just needs to be converted to an ebook. I don't like ebooks. You know why? Because you got to remember when when you're dealing with uh, you know selling books. One would think. Now, just hear me out here. One would think that, like, somebody like uh, Amazon, who's making a significant amount of money on your royalties, would attempt to promote your book in some way without wanting to charge you. But why the, why the hell would you charge me to market my book when you're fucking making money off it? Who, who's a bigger, bigger marketing tool, Mike Bouchard or uh, Amazon? You see what I'm saying? I don't get it. But it could be, be just me. And then they want you to be your own marketer. Make them money. That, that's like Goodwill. Who, who's got it better than Goodwill? People bring you the shit for free. So you get your inventory for free. You sell it. And now they're selling shit at a real high price. So, I mean, who's got it better than them? Amazon. Amazon got bigger marketing, then they're charging you to market shit that they're making money for. Holy crap. Really? I don't get it. But yeah, I'm, any any book that says edition three, uh, I think it's edition three has been updated in, in both contexts and it has been uh, gone through Gramley premiere again uh, just because I didn't like some of the way that the sentence were structured in some of them. Oh, and the Covered Bridges out there, too. The Covered Bridges is a mystery book. Uh, it's a, uh, a Cro uh, Stephen Crawford, um, Jacob Andrews book about two cops uh, working up at the up, up near McGalloway in Lincoln Plantation, Maine. They get themselves involved in all kind of really crazy-ass shit. 
Jacobs is a Native American, retired from Navajo police. He looks at things different than uh, his his uh, his white counterpart, uh, Chief uh, Stephen Crawford. Uh, and the way they turn out is everything's okay, but it's done a little unorthodox, let's say. Uh, new book will be coming out um, hopefully sometime by midsummer involving uh, Crawford and uh, uh, Jacob Andrews again. It's going to be called the uh, uh, Police Car Conspiracy. Uh, once again, things are taken care of. Everything's all right, but the cases are handled a little, uh, a little differently. You know? So, but with that being said, uh, listen, don't, don't always just tell people, <clears throat> you know, I want to write a book, write a book. <clears throat> don't, don't worry about these people wanting to charge you a high price to be published, this, that, and the other thing. You can do all the shit yourself, even cover design. Cover design is easy, easy shit. Take a picture, you take your own damn picture. Drop it in as a, as a uh, you know, when you go to uh, cover create, drop your picture in there. Put the words on it you want. Uh, don't use don't use your shitty, you know, you'll, you'll get some shitty stuff, pictures that they want you to use. They suck. Don't use those. Um, Canva, it's kind of a, they got some okay covers, but. You know, you really want your own shit. I think the only one that I may have used Canva for... No, I don't even think I used them for that. Yeah, I don't think I used them for that either. Okay, I didn't use them for anything. Okay, well, this happened the whole time. A uh, senior, <laughs> senior moment there, but... Until next time, which will be episode, what, 166, season 2 already, over 4,000 listeners... I am like a shock jock. I am not a politically correct person. I may be a cop, and I'm not politically correct about how I think about things. My my opinions only represent my opinions. It has nothing to do with uh, the law enforcement community. It has nothing to do with the department I work for. It has to do with the way I think of things and the way I look at things, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it to, to pamper your little ass. I'm not going to say things politically correct so nobody's offended because I don't care if you are or aren't. Reality, reality is reality. You can't be pampered your whole life by people not hurting your feelings, this, that, and the other thing. You need to know how things are, especially younger people. You need to know how things are, not be bullshitted because when I, so it doesn't blindside you, okay? That has to do with life, cultures, business, employment, school, believe me, it's not as easy as people want you to think it is when you watch a commercial and everybody's happy and so bubbly and all this bullshit. It's not like that, kids. I don't mean to call you kids, but, you know, I'm almost a fossil, so anything under a thousand years old is a kid to me, so you know what I mean? But until then, I will see you episode 166, because I think this is 165. I could be wrong, but I think I looked at the edition before this. Okay.